Welcome to the Daytona Supercross pregame show on Big MX Radio here live on YouTube. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, two of my best buds within the motocross industry. We battle tooth and nail every single Thursday night here at 8, 8 p.m. Central Time. First, I have to introduce the 1990 East Coast 125 Supercross champion. Goes by the name of Denny Stevenson. Denny, how's it going? Good, Brad. Good to see you. Missed you guys last week. I uh, had some stuff happening, uh, but I had a chance to go to Dallas, watch it live. And now we get to talk about uh, more Supercross with two of my buds. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. And we brought Checkers back from Mexico. So welcome back, Checkers. <laughs> yes, Checkers is tanned and uh, and still smiling ear to ear from uh, from his uh, beach riding and hard enduro and uh, basically showing a, a pretty uh, well-appointed Honda who's boss. Checkers, welcome back to the show. Heck yeah, Mexico was sick and I had a great time. And I just want to let you guys know, I'm going to warn you ahead of time that I've been pretty much outside the loop of cell phone service or anything for a week. That means that I have not been harassing Denny at all. He missed the show last week for some personal things. I have barely heard about his trip to Dallas even. So I have a lot of bent up frustrations and time to prove Denny wrong over and over and over again tonight, baby. It's going to be on. Let's get going with the Race Tech Rapid Recap. It was a great race. I finally watched it uh, today earlier, actually. I landed last night late, and um, I saw highlights and stuff from Mexico and watched some times, but I was pretty disconnected from the world um, up here in the States and in the stadiums, so it was pretty fun to watch, and unfortunately, the track kind of sucked. It was one line and stuff, and it was probably one of the least eventful triple crowns until the very last um kind of ending races with some crashes but let's get into some headlines brad thank you very much for putting together um all this stuff this week tomac coughs up the lead and allows an eight point swing debo alito mac poking his head out again you know um yeah it was to, to watch it live um there was just so much carnage so much so much going on guys going down to eli being one of them i really didn't expect that i thought his mental strength is what would carry him to his championship along with his speed and like he said in a couple of weeks he is uh in one week he gave a lot of points and webb and sexton are coming on strong and was we've uh, as ricky carmichael says daytona is the turning point and we're heading into it this weekend absolutely and then an ongoing one that we've been talking about on this show um, had to go right towards the top of the headlines has been the brutal AJ Catanzaro versus Hardy Munoz battle that hasn't <laughs> been much of a battle all year but guess what Hardy came out in hardy form last weekend in day uh Arlington and guess what the cat AJ Catanzaro did take his number um it says Munoz is chilling in the dirt and gets smoked by Hicks well he got smoked by Hicks Literally, and I think I have a video I could show you guys of that if you uh, need a reminder, maybe, um, of what that was like. And then also, AJ Cantazaro beats him in the results. So, ha, 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 baby. Yeah, I actually missed it live. It's, you know, when you're up in the stands, there's so much going on. Uh, I was asked by somebody, Ian Riley, our friend who's, who drafted him, and, yeah, he got plowed. And, yeah, the, Hardy lived up to being Hardy because he, uh, he got smoked. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. No, he got like absolutely a... smashed here. Look, he goes over the bars, hits hard. Actually, the bike could have got him again, but then 
Hicks's bike made sure that uh, Hardy gets hit there. And honestly, hats off to Hardy for continuing on and, and actually riding the other two main events. Like I thought he would have been done for the evening altogether, uh, but he was able to bounce back and uh, and finish off the night. Um, ends up still dead last, but still in one point on the night, but still that's not too bad. One race in Salt Lake City, ran across, completely quick story. I remember going down in a, a gnarly section of whoops like that and getting just clobbered by something and getting up half days and the flaggers waving his flag. And I'm like, and I look around and I'm like asking the flagger, who hit me? Who hit me? He's like, what are you talking about? Like, who ran me over? He goes, bro, your bike just clobbered. That was your bike that killed you. So uh, needless to say, I think we've all been through that at least one time or another when uh, you just get up going, well, who, who clobbered me? And it was your own bike. And in Hardy's uh, instance, it was his bike and, and Michael Hicks. Yeah, what a tough dude. He he takes some big licks, but he big licking, but keeps on ticking, baby. I'm a fan. Yeah, he was uh, Chilean in the dirt. Hard, I like that. Laying in the yeah. dirt. <laughs> um, thinking of laying in the dirt, there was a lot of that in the 450 races. And Cooper Webb pounces on opportunity, races off with the win. Brad, dude, the guy is just cool. opportunistic. Cooper Webb, whenever one of his close competitors falters, he is right there to stick and move. He like he assessed the situation, albeit a few feet further back than Chase Sexton was able to. Uh, he's able to go around the outside. And from there, I think, honestly, that was such a devastating sort of turn of events in that one straightaway. Of course, Grant Harlan just not knowing where to go. Uh, he kind of gets caught in the crossfire and... The real winner here is uh, is Cooper Webb because not only did he win that pass right there, he ended up winning the event because of that pass. Beautiful. For sure. Great racing all around. And we've talked about it a little bit last week coming in. And, I mean, we talked about it in the pre-race or pre-game show before the season. And there was really two guys that, that one of us was high on and one of them was uh, Seth Hamaker. And he's obviously out, but... I got to tell you, Nate Thrasher has proven to be a real deal contender um, and and the biggest thorn in the side of Hunter Lawrence. Thrasher proves that consistency wins triple crowns. Three mo- three race format, Debo. You saw Thrasher. What do you think? You know, he he's uh, – we've, we've admitted in the past, you know, when he is in fourth, he's just kind of fourth riding, you know, in the past. And then when he's out front, of uh, he takes advantage of situations and gets rides very well when he's out front. Uh, he were, I think we're, we're seeing a new side of him where he's able to lay down consistency, as we've talked about. And it was hard to keep up with what was exactly happening and being at the live event, you know, going to Dallas, Fort Worth or Arlington this last round, being in the stands, it's, it's a lot of distraction, hard to keep track of a triple crown. You got six different main events, trying to pay, keep up with who's got going in the last main event with an overall and to have Nate uh, Thrasher win that last one with a, with a third, um, you know, with, with Martin going six, 12, one, uh, I love this C series. It's been a lot of fun. Hunter hasn't been quite as dominant as we thought, but uh, and Thrasher, I think, is getting better and better. And we're heading into a big track, which we know he's very, been very successful at. Um, he again, he could put in a, the last chance qualifier and still be a favorite. So uh, I'm like what we're seeing that from the star team all together between Thrasher, Smith, and Deegan. The powerhouse of star that we didn't think was that powerhouse this year is starting to show their claws. They're ready to make some shit happen. And don't forget about Daxton Bennick. Um, taking home another win in the futures class and doing it with commanding authority looking like an absolute professional out there Um, yeah thrasher has been then very impressive I was really impressed in race number one where he actually made up time on hunter but I do think hunter was managing the race a little bit but he probably thrasher probably made it closer than he wanted to in that first race so cool to see at least somebody stepping up and potentially I think this time next year I think we talk about thrasher as a title contender 
not that he's out of it completely this year, but I think it's it's going to be tough. But coming into next year, he's got to be um, towards the top. Uh, maybe my favorite headline that Brad put together, rubber side up, the 250 class chaos puts results in the blender. Absolutely. And it, like this is the the gift that never stops giving the 250 class uh east coast west coast doesn't matter these kids are are learning and yeah they they're uh they're making mistakes along the way in fact if i'm not mistaken there is no more than two or three guys in the entire top 10 that didn't have to take a soil sample sometime during the evening. Uh, Lord knows even the guy who won it ended up on the ground at some point. In fact, it was at that last race. He basically had uh, all wrapped up uh, and just had to have, have us bite our nails off a little bit more. This class is uh, like, if you've got a pacemaker, if you've got a heart condition, you should probably not watch the 250 East uh, because these guys are, are going for it every single weekend. And you never know who's going to hit the ground next, uh, whether it's the guy who's leading the points, just absolutely spread printing away with this championship or somebody at the back of the pack. Uh, nobody is immune. Nobody is, uh, it comes out of this thing unscathed. Some guys get uh, hurt and hit more than others. Uh, guys like Luke Neese and uh, Hardy Munoz uh, are taking their lumps right now, but literally everybody in the field is, uh, is going rubber side up and, uh, and making it all more entertaining for us. I love it. Absolutely. want to send a get well wish out to uh, Luke Neese. I know he was laying on the ground in one of the races and he's really had a pretty solid season going so far and also um a big get well wish to my buddy zach williams he had a a gnarly get off training in florida this week and um is still in the hospital at the moment um he's gonna be out for the rest of supercross and hopefully we'll see him at some point during the summer um outdoors but just glad that he's able to walk out of the hospital um at some point or at least he's walking around the hallways with a walker it's gonna be a long road to cover recovery for him but get well soon to my buddy zach um and speaking of things just not going all that well and the opposite of star racing is what the heck is going on with the gas gas team i swear i really think that michael mosman might just need a change of scenery um gas gas shows a flash and recedes into the shadows more struggles for the tld squad um bam bam has mistakes as well mosman hasn't been himself this year what do you think denny what's going on over there are they doing just fine well, again, you know, I'm a firm believer, as you just said, uh, change of scenery is good for anybody. I think we've seen it multiple times throughout the motocross and supercross history. But for the, the, the most consistent guy out there for three motos was Michael Mosman being almost completely irrelevant, going seven, six, seven. No real action, just out there kind of in the shadows. Like you said, um, I, I am shocked by it. We know he we all talked about it at the beginning of the season at least the three of us did, that, that he is now the favorite, or at least one of the favorites, went along with Hunter, um, with Joe being gone and all the other injuries that Mosman was going to be a podium guy week in and week out. We have not seen that yet. We haven't even seen him up front. We haven't seen a lot of mistakes. We just see him just kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know if it's something to do with the bike. I don't know if it's something to do with him. Like he's hiding an injury. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Mosman being not back to pack but back to lead pack when he's supposed to be leading it and so i don't know it's uh it's a little disheartening to watch when you think that someone's going to step up and is getting smoked by these rookies but again it's a deep field these kids are riding their asses off and there's no place safe uh, i think we saw hunter go from you know get, you go a little bit wide and two guys are gonna close that door and two guys are gonna go past you when you're trying to gather yourself so uh, we're seeing motocross supercross at one of the best times so much talent these young guys are, are for real uh, and the old guys are uh as Michael's considered an old old guy, and he's getting his, he's getting schooled by his kids right now. 
yeah, speaking of the young guys, we saw a lot of it with the Supercross Futures class. And I mean, I would do anything for it to be Moseman kind of in the position Jordan Smith's in right now. Um, I think he would maybe even execute closer to a championship from what we've seen. I have to think that there's something going on as far as the new chassis of the bike with the 250 guys there, because both Pierce Brown and Michael Moseman are better than they've shown. And I mean, you could go back to a year ago, Shimoda maybe was like this a little bit where we thought he'd be up front near the podium, but he doesn't have even the Supercross resume that, that Moseman has. I mean, Moseman's a podium guy week in and week out, as long as he's not on his head. Um, and the he's, most he's really currently, eight, currently eighth in points. I mean, that's just it's terrible. His championship's it's, over. Yeah. I mean, it's, He's getting beat by uh, Viale. He's getting beat by Smith. He's getting beat by Jamar. He's getting beat by Deegan. 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 Those are four guys that he should not be getting beat by. And that's and that no no slide of any of them. But if you want to be the, the head of the class, which he came into supposed to be, you got to carry that torch. Otherwise, it's someone's going to take that spot. And uh, I think right now the team at Gas Gas Troy Lee is, is has kind of buried their heads and sitting in sand with uh, with uh, Pierce Brown and, and most of them because they are not getting shit done right now in 2023. I agree 100%. But getting it done, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Benick rips the futures a new one and sprints to another win. Brad, we touched on Benick a little bit. If you want to add a little bit, you can. But what about the other guys in Supercross futures? What stood out to you? We had a couple guys on some new orange motorcycles and um, a well-known redheaded kid from Florida who couldn't make it through practice. Uh, what stood out to you? Julian Bomir showing us uh, that you can change manufacturers in this course of a month and still go crazy fast. Regardless of the result, uh, this kid showed me that he has adaptability and that that twisted development motor that's underneath him is pretty solid as well. I uh, hope gladly it was, it was able to stay together. Uh, honestly, I was really impressed with his riding. I was impressed with Casey Crocker and every, as I am every time I see him ride, uh, I was, it was a bummer to see uh, Evan Ferry go down. Uh, obviously uh, he's on a, a bit of an interesting program right now as he's not really a Yamaha rider. He's all blacked out bike uh, as he sort of waits in the wings for uh, the, uh, the non-disclosure agreements to uh, to be uplifted so that he can uh, can ride his his triumph that he'll be on in, in a few months time. Um, but honestly, I'm really impressed with everything that I saw from these kids. Um, right off the hop, there was that one kid. Uh, I didn't, can't. I think it's a Yancey or something on a Suzuki ends up just hanging a left during the 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 start and he, he ends up like basically being a complete flash in the pan i think he was running second or third for the first straightaway and then he went like exit right uh at the end of that straightaway and uh yeah like did he basically i think he ended up like 17th or something like that but um when daxton bennett comes out there and just absolutely crushes it for everybody uh it was uh like it, it's honestly was <laughs> chase yancer Yenser. Uh Chase Yenser. Yeah, that kid was a problem for some people in that first in that uh, start for the Supercross Futures. Uh but when Daxton Bennett comes out and just absolutely lays it down on everybody, it's it's really tough for those other guys to really stand out because they got beat down two times in a row now by 7 plus seconds in either one of those uh Supercross Futures. He is 17 years old. He's essentially the same age as um as danger boy is so for all intents and purposes you should probably already be in supercross but having not ridden it last year and being brand new to the yamaha i completely understand kind of keeping him down he's going to go race some uh some races well he's going to be in daytona this year this weekend doing the amateur thing and then he hits uh, the texas two-step uh before uh, basically putting his head down getting ready for loretta's but i was really impressed with everything that i saw especially that julian bomir otherwise known as juju yeah well at least somebody can adapt to their bike quickly because 
Well, guess what? Rock you might want to switch his suspension up again, even though his forks don't say factory connection. He's back working with them. Supposedly, I am done with this saga. I am over with. I'm not even going to get worked up about it. Eventually, you have to ride your same motorcycle so that you know what you're racing on the weekend. So you're not changing it all the time. How the heck are you ever going to trust your front wheel in a corner if you don't ride the same setup? twice in a row and you were always changing anything at some point you have to find a base setting and say this is what i'm going to ride and i'm going to ride it for weeks and weeks and weeks you know who else is very famous for this and we're going to talk about later in the show the guy that pushes his front end prime more than anyone rj hampshire completely complains about his motorcycle over and over and over again is testing 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 well guess what he never finds a front end feel and washes the dang thing out over and over kenny just goes slower brad what's up is there any particular reason as to why Ken Roxon looked both more comfortable and possibly faster on a YZ252 stroke six months ago? Well, I have a theory I... that he screws his bikes up the more that he rides them, the longer that he's on them. If he would just leave them alone, he would be fine, but he's always chasing crap. He did the same thing on Suzuki the, the last year he was on. If you remember, he won that championship on Suzuki with RCH with stock triple clamps on that motorcycle he was he was chasing his tail even when he was winning back then um again yeah i he uh i think even blair asked rc two weeks ago on, on the broadcast he goes you know when is enough enough and ricky was trying to answer it politically correct without just saying you know again with just checkers exactly shut up and ride said, it. just kind of shut up and ride the bike and and another point which you just talked about last time ken was on a suzuki how he went to stock uh triple clamps Back in the early 90s, when Larry Ward was with Factory Suzuki, Larry's very much the same way. Could not find a happiness. Couldn't find a good setting. Couldn't find other. Then he finally decided he was going to run production stock. He had to have a brand new set, basically pulled off a, a, a bike out of a dealership, stock pair of forks. And Larry felt that that's what he was most comfortable with and the fastest he could ride with. Literally a stock showroom set of forks on his Factory Suzuki. And he's like, that's what I need. And so... Yeah, the snowflake era obviously started back in the 90s because Larry was one of those guys who just was never really happy, yet could go blazingly fast when everything clicked. Um, if, if we show up, with, if, if Roxon showed up with box stock forks and a shock at next week, I think uh, I think we have a, a, a new snowflake. How many yeah, years did uh, <laughs> how many years of Lee McCollum's life did Larry did working for Larry Ward take off of him? I think it was actually Ed Longacre might have been working with him. At the oh, time. was it Ed? Percent positive. Yeah, because Ed obviously is noted from the Northeast, uh, had a lot of history with him. I'm, so I'm almost certain it was Ed that was working with him. But um, Larry, you know, Larry was obviously an incredible talent and, and, and got a couple seconds in the series. And it could go to Europe and beat the best in the world and come back and go, my bike sucks. So um, he was eclectic. Eclectic. And that's a lot. We have a lot of personalities in the sport. We always have. And, uh, and that's what makes it so great and, and allows us now to talk about it. Back then, can you imagine the stories that they would have been talking about the fact that Larry had to pull his box stock pair of forks on to line up for the Supercross? Uh, and, and Kenny is, uh, we're going to join him as long as he's in the sport because he, he rode well in Dallas and uh, he rode better than he did the week before, clearly. Um, but I still, again, think had he been on his Paris bike, he'd be compared, he'd be competing for wins with comfortable. Uh, he looked, uh, he's just still struggling with that bike. He looks like he's fighting it. and he's doing so well because of his talent. I think because of the hard work of the team, but uh, you're just not going to win on a six-year-old bike, period. Nope. 
All right, up next, it's Daytona, baby. Daytona Supercross. Maybe it still has some of the luster that it had when I first started watching the sport back in the day when I used to watch it on Speed Channel back in uh, uh, in, in my youth. But uh, this, this segment is brought to you by Big MX Radio. You can go to Big MX Radio and listen to all 26 of the podcasts that I've released over the last 28 days. Yeah, I've been kind of busy. Um, I... I promise all my sponsors race tech being one of them uh that i will put out minimum 52 podcasts throughout the year so we did about half of that throughout the month of uh, february um so i would say that i'm keeping up my end of the deal go check out those podcasts we've got tons of different content on there every single week um it's Daytona. It's not what it once was, but it's as good once as it ever was. Sunny in 75. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. We're not going to have a hellacious mutter like we did back in 2008. It's going to be gorgeous. I think this race should still be a daytime race, even though here in 2023, we have daytime supercrosses. So I have no, no, there is no real reason to me as to why this race shouldn't be during the day. Uh, it would kind of bring back some more nostalgia about what this made this race so great. I also think that this racetrack should be more outdoorsy than the supercrossiness that it's sort of become. It's become more and more and more cookie cutter supercross over the last few years. But my question to Denny Stevenson do you recall the last time that you were tortured? In the Daytona sun, I'm sure you were like the sun was beating on you. You probably had like vodka coming out of your your pores uh, due to going to Razzles the night before. Or maybe you were just like you're baking the sun thinking about going to Razzles later that night. Can you tell me about the last time you rode Daytona, Denny Stevenson? Um, you know, I just talked with my our friend Rotomoto about the track and the Daytona-ness and the epicness, the fact that it's been it's, for me, it's still one of the most iconic events in all of, of all of motocross, supercross. Um Last year I wrote it. Actually, we did a fantasy retro series on MotoExtreme360.com, and it, one of the races I drew was Daytona 96. And it was my last year of racing uh, Supercross. I was riding the Great Western Bank team. I was struggling with a, with a badly uh, fucked up thumb that I could barely hold on to. And, you know, fortunately at that time, I think they were still taking 30 riders to the main event. Uh, it was the middle of the day. The track made no rhyme or reason at all. It, every jump was was like hitting a wall, you know, the black sand. I, that's what I still find epic about it and want more of. Um, if they could just make a sand track and why not just make the, the Southwick Daytona Supercross track, uh, let it break down throughout the day, not really touch it, don't really shape things up, don't make the jumps really big, let it break down. Um, the, the, those those big holes that they can dig in the sand. I realize that, they're, that Ricky's dealing with very much uh, a, a floor plan that he has to kind of stick with. The track is obviously back to back these next, these last year to this year, but back in the day, man, it was hot. It was miserable. The track made no rhyme or reason. Uh, I think I've, I've definitely crashed off the track and land on the pavement a few times. And that to me is what it's all about. Like you said, sun, middle of the day, not really looking forward to the main event in the least. And it really being nothing like supercross. No rhyme or reason. Almost like a GNCC. Like, let's just go. Let's just track. Just go to shit and see what happens. That's awesome. I absolutely love it. Uh, people can check out the uh, columns that I've been doing on Verb Moto. There's three of them up there right now. And there should be another one that pop, pops up first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, Verb Moto has been kind enough to bring uh, to bring me on as a, as a quote unquote journalist. Uh, so look for more of my content over there. As well, they're going to be showing some, uh, sharing some links to Big MX Radio podcast. Now it's time for me to rear back and toss things over to Checkers for for some Daytona stats, facts, and interesting uh, tidbits that we've collected for this particular show. Well, before I start with the facts. 
instead of actual freaking numbers, we're going to go into some real facts about Denny being wrong. You just said the track should be nothing like Supercross going into the main event. Well, is it the Daytona Motocross or is it the Daytona Supercross? Is it the most prestigious event on the Supercross schedule? Arguably other than A1. Or is it the Motocross version? If you want to run it. I think one year it was actually part of the Motocross series. I'm good with it. Make it hot, gnarly, rough during the day. 30 rider (laughs) gates. You can do 40 if you want. It'll be sweet. I'm all about it. But put it in the motocross series. If you want it to be the pinnacle of Supercross, then let's make it the pinnacle of Supercross. The lighting sucks. Can we do the double gates thing like you like to do with the 40 guys? Just like two sets of 20? I think. Hey, 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 checkers. Hey, checkers. When, When you win at Daytona, you let me know. Well, what's the what's the point? Like, I don't understand. Like, you they struggle to see in the dark dirt, and that's what gets rough and hides the ruts. It's a sweet venue with more space. Why not build the most badass supercross track you've ever built? Bring in all that like light colored clay that you'd actually be able to see at night. It's not going to get rutted up and build these gnarly long rhythm sections and huge jumps and massive whoop sections and have the pinnacle of supercross like a supercross hell track. Why don't you do that? I mean, call it the 05 was good. Supercross. I think 05 was my favorite layout that was in the evening when uh, Chad and uh, Ricky went toe-to-toe and Chad ended up winning. That's also the same weekend that uh, uh, Travis Pastrana showed up and busted his wrist up real good. So these these hybrid tracks, are they're, they're, they're half motocross and half supercross. If you're going to run it the way that they're doing it now, I'd rather it be in the daytime and rougher than crap. But don't call yeah. it a supercross then. It just put it as one of the super motocross rounds. How badass would that be? I'm all for that. But this, Ooh. hey, I'm going to put in two stupid sand S-turns and call it a motocross track and some, a straightaway with some kickers going down it and a freaking bunch of single jumps and walls. That's not freaking supercross. It's not motocross. It is stupid is what it is. Give me a supercross track or give me a motocross track. Anyways, we're never going to agree on it. If Danny, do you want to rebut to this or are you just want to tell me that I'm on the moon and move on? Uh, I mean, you're, you're on Pluto, Pluto right I now. Thought. So. No, it, it is, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we grew up differently <laughs> and, uh, and have different opinions for sure. But, um, you know, as I jokingly said, you know, when your, when your name's in the hall of fame checkers, there at Daytona motor speedway, you let me know. Yeah. Is there anyone from Nebraska in there in Daytona in the, in the big bike class? Cause there's, there's at least a guy from Iowa in there. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm, we both know him. So, but uh, yeah, well done, Justin Bray. That is one of the coolest things I think we've ever seen is uh, that that win that night. And, I love it. And that's what's and you know and we've had so many uh, we've had some epic races with the guys. I mean, I I think with James when he went down and he was jumping the wall, hopping the wall. Uh, when Eli's wheeling down the straightaway doing that wheel on on the guy, go Honda. Go back years ago when uh, when Rick Ryan wins as a privateer out of nowhere. Uh, dial back in uh, a little bit, for, a little bit back further when Johnny Omar skies over the finish line to take the win. Factory Honda all dressed in, in matching colors. I mean, back when he used to go across the pavement with Hannah on the Honda and stuff. I mean, so many iconic events there. Uh, it, the memories of Daytona, I think, should go on, and it's it's just it'll always be to me one of the most memorable uh, events we have all year long. Where they change it during the day, should they have it during the night? It might not always be the great to be stand there live on the wall, but fucking a, it's Daytona Supercross and. Um, and I hope these guys take it when they win as meaningful as it means to me watching it. And I, I think they do just seeing what it meant to Justin Brayton and, uh, and the fact that he is going to be the, uh, what they call him, the race, the uh, master of ceremonies or whatever. Weekend. I think it's very well deserved. So 
Yeah, so badass. It's, we're going to head to Daytona, and I'm fucking pumped. Yeah, we can agree on that part. It is still a spectacle. It is still a highlight. It is still a prestigious venue. That yeah. part I 100% agree with. And, you know, if this because of going to Mexico, I'm not going this year. Normally, my fiance and I go down there and celebrate her birthday. Um, happy right. early birthday to her. I'm sure she's watching and probably agreeing with me, Danny. Just so you know, but it is uh it is a really cool race. It is really neat to go there and, and see it and feel it. Although watching the race live there absolutely sucks. If I were to do it again, I'd go watch practice and go watch it on TV somewhere. The environment. Yeah, honestly, can I chime it. in on that for a second? Is yeah, I absolutely. think of Daytona Supercross a lot like like when they have like um like outdoor hockey games at like a stadium, like sitting in the stands, you're not gonna see shit. But it's the atmosphere. It's being at Daytona Motor Speedway. It's all of that other stuff around it. It's it's the the um like it's all it's all of the like the cachet that being in that beautiful arena or beautiful stadium uh, allows for. It's it's all of the the extra intangible things. Watching the race, like you can take take or leave it. You can watch it on TV. Uh, but um, yeah, like I, I think for for no other reason that that's that's why that race is what it is. And then you don't really have to be in person to make it great. And like Checkers, I think Checkers' word said it best. It's a spectacle, and it is it's yes. very much so. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to see a debut on a 450 from a guy we talked Richard. about earlier who likes to push his front end, Richard Hampshire. Um, he's he's stepping up to, to the 450 for Daytona and maybe some select rounds. Um, Roxon debuted on a, in the 450 class here. It's, we've kind of been – we've seen it with guys. They'll jump in on a 450 here, 250 guys randomly at Daytona for some reason, which is kind of weird to me because it's like half outdoors and half supercross it's really difficult to get set up for, I feel like, but maybe it's just not quite as technical as, as why they're doing it. Um, we've seen it like with Jeremy Martin before. Um, J Mart actually, I saw Kellen put out a fact. J Mart uh, has podiumed every single time at Daytona, except once, including the second in the 450 class. That is, that is pretty nuts. That's a pretty gnarly stat, especially coming off that last race win. Um, you could hear him on the podium last week. And just like, yeah, let's go to Daytona. Obviously, pretty fired up. Um, Cooper Webb has actually been good at Daytona with a bunch of seconds. Like, surprisingly and good. Yeah, you don't see that. But, I mean, really, dude, Eli is the gnarliest guy at Daytona. Um, he's got the record for the most wins. And and he's trucking this year. So, he's the only rider in the field to have won Daytona. And he's done it six times. That's that's some legendary stats. Last year's race, Tomac, Webb, Sexton, Ferrandis, Barsha. We get Ferrandis back. Super cool to see a national motocross champion come back. Um, I feel like Daytona is going to be a good track for him. It'll be interesting coming off of an injury, how much he's in shape. Um, the 250 class, we can't even look at last year and bring much from it because they're all on the other coast now. So, um, one thing about was... Webb, you know, Webb came into last year, you know, I, I'd say a shell of what he was, right, what he is right now, and uncorked it and almost got the win. Um, we're seeing a whole nother Webb right now, you know. I'm really excited to see what he brings. Um, I think that Eli knew that he could break him last year. I think there might be a little bit of doubt, start getting deep into his uh, Eli's mind a little bit. And if Webb brings the heat he brought last year, man, can, it's going to be one hell of a shootout. And uh, yeah, if, if Webb no. can come in as half as strong as he did last year, I, it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, definitely don't count out the speed of Chase Sexton that we've been seeing. Um, as well I mean he was on the podium there a year ago as well and 
I don't know. Hopefully we just see a knockdown drag out battle with the track just rougher than crap because it's going to be. And yeah. hopefully it'll be it'll be sick. But I mean, those conditions, you could argue favor any of the guys, probably the least favorable Sexton. So hopefully he has a big enough lead that he can get back up from his main event fallover and still win, maybe, you know, for his championship sake. I also saw that there's a chance we could leave Daytona with three red plates if those guys flip around on the podium just right. So um, how cool would that be? I've seen two red plates, but I've never seen three before that I can think of. That would be really cool. That'd be crazy. So <laughs> uh, Chase would have to win and Eli gets third. And Cooper gets second. And Cooper gets second. Yeah, that would do it. They would have to just totally invert. Yeah, Chase, Coop, Eli. And that would do it right there. 26, 23, 21 right there. And that I could mean, happen. That. Like, that's not crazy. Very much Absolutely. Because I, I don't think, I don't see Anderson grinding out for that amount of time. I see, I'd see those guys, whether Matt, wherever they finish, and they might not get to the, they'll get to the top three. I see those three being the top three guys because, I just don't see anyone else, you know, at the end of that 20, you know, 20 minute plus one lap at Daytona, we've seen it time and time again, the strong to survive, the cream rises to the top. Um, as long as Chase doesn't tuck a front end somewhere, it's, it's going to be awesome. I, Anderson, I think will show some colors. Uh, if he can try and, you know, keep his head straight for, for that entire main event, but the, the cream is rising to the top and it, it's badass right now. And it's, it's fun to watch. And I'm, oh God, I didn't even consider that the three red plates. What a way to leave it. If that, if that works out. All right, it's time for the MXD, uh, yeah, MXD360.com dash for cash. It's a uh, MXD360.com is a fantasy game that we're going to get into a little bit later on. It's really, really fun to play, even if you're as bad at it as I am. Uh, and we're going to get into our picks later on. But honestly, you guys can go to that website right now, MXD360.com right now. You can sign up. Play along with us. Let me know your username so I can add you to the league. Hopefully you're worse than me so that I won't be last uh, in my own damn league. Uh, but either way, you know what? I signed up and I'm I'm in for the King's gear. If you sign up, you can win Jeremy McGrath's gear. You don't have to just DM D, uh, Debo and then hopefully he can call Jeremy and then you can like kind of like haul in a favor to get you a set of gear. You could just win it straight off. Uh, 12 bucks uh, is the asking price to get in there. And honestly, it's well worth it as uh, almost literally like you get a raffle ticket for a set of uh, McGrath's gear. And then you get to test your motocross knowledge by uh, by playing some fantasy and just getting absolutely crushed like me every single weekend. When I ha- when I pick Hardy Munoz and get one goddamn point uh, in the 250 class for one of my riders. But regardless, these are rapid fire questions. So I expect some rapid fire answers. Checkers, are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Who is who has been the biggest surprise in the 250 East class so far? Michael Moseman. And that's a negative one, unfortunately. Uh, we talked yes. about that before. If you want to go positive, I can't go Anstey because I really saw him there, but I thought he'd be behind the Pro Circuit Kawasaki's. So his results just moved forward. Um, I think that we all could see this potentially happening with Hayden Deegan. So I don't think that's a surprise. So I have to go with with the negative of Michael Mosin, if you want me to take a positive, it'll be Hardy Munoz getting a top 10 finish. Certainly, that is surprising. Debo, are you ready? I'm ready, brother. Should Mitch Payton have added a second rider for the 250 East? Chris Blos is getting better right now, but he's still not performing at the top where Pro Circuit's known to be, no, no, known to be placing. 
Uh, I'm a firm believer in, um, in, in, in the feeling rider, feeling that spot, you know, what the bike's going to be there, the mechanics are already there. I mean, literally just get the guy a little bit of time to test and send him racing. Uh, big fan, fan of, 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 the, of the zombie Chris Bloss or Chris Bloss. The Bloss and, but checkers, I'm still waiting for these multiple top fives from Bloss. You promised me. I you said know, I'm one. Still I'm still waiting. That's a, that's enough. That doesn't count. That's in one of a triple crown. I'm waiting for an overall in a full 15 minute main event. Um, he's doing well, but it, it, the, if we can just see, maybe Mitch was just tired, man. When you, when you literally have seven guys and six of them disappear, uh, maybe just like, fuck it. Let's just get to the, get this East round done and get to the West and get to the outdoors. But Hey, all right. Christian Craig already has two of his top five eights. <laughs> we're yeah, we're going to get to that in a second here. Uh, all right, checkers. I'm going to give you the magic wand here. This is actually a pen, but Daytona Supercross, what is it missing and what does it do well? What it does well is it's at Daytona freaking International Speedway during bike week. It's freaking spring break in Florida. It is motorcycles everywhere. It is awesome. That part, sick. It's insane. Well, how do you fix it? I already told you earlier, this is rapid fire. Give them a bunch of clay. Make it the gnarliest, longest supercross track with big rhythms, big jumps, big whoops massive everything and make it the pinnacle of supercross so if you win that you're the gnarliest supercross racer in the world not necessarily the gnarliest dude in the world the gnarliest supercrosser in the world because right now daytona supercross is half gncc with ruts that are over your seat half motocross and a little bit of supercross sprinkled in that's how you fix daytona it'll never happen but that's how what should happen Fair enough. Debo, what will Christian Craig's best finish be in 2023? You predicted eight top five finishes. He so far has zero of those with 10 rounds to go. He needs to get uh, all of those in the next 10 races. Yeah, I might have definitely overshot that, uh, with Christian. Uh, he seems to be coming to his own on the bike. I think we flipped it around to getting uh, eight top or We had yeah, eight top five. five top now, eights. I'm hoping, now I'm just hoping for five top eights. We already got two of those locked down. Uh, he's getting better each week, getting more comfortable with the motorcycle. I think it's actually helped the fact that Stewart is off the bike. I think the team's able to focus on what he wants, what makes him happy, what uh, how the bike will work best for him. Um, and he's getting better each round. So I'm still shooting. If I can get one top five out of, out of my eight I originally uh, projected, I'll be happy. The 40 class is tough. Christian Craig's realizing it. And uh, keep building, brother. We need we need one top eight and about four more top fives. <laughs> Checkers, the law, the list of privateers is long and not distinguished, but who of all the privateers right now is not gearing nearly enough coverage? I think you have to go with Josh Cartwright. I would almost go Kevin Morantz, but he's actually starting to get a little bit of coverage because he's doing so well. Nobody talks about Josh Cartwright other than the fact that they drop in. He has a full-time job and he was a full-time college student in every that single is all they freaking know. broadcast. Could we go get a little more information on the guy? He is freaking killing it this year. He made a huge step up. He has become a solid main event guy most weekends. I mean, he is fast and he's good and he's not shown. He's not talked about. And the only time he is talked about is the same fact. I don't even know who he's riding for because they don't mention his dang sponsors, which is another thing I get frustrated about is these privateers don't get a lot of time. So Jim's carpet and flooring, they get their one shot when their dude pulls a dang hole shot or is leading an LCQ and you can't say their name on TV. They could be putting 20 grand into that guy's program. That is make it to the races or not for these guys. Give them the love they deserve when they deserve it. 
You guys I agree. Him. No, absolutely. And he's been doing extremely absolutely. well. Should probably call him up for a podcast later on. Uh, maybe next week uh, when he's heading. He's pre- he's, uh, he's probably heading to the track right now. Debo, last question for the rapid, uh, rapid fire questions here. Uh, is Jason Anderson out of this championship right now? He's 30 points down. Oh, he's absolutely out of this championship. And uh, he did not come in anywhere where we expected. We thought he was going to come in under the radar. Uh, bust out some El Ombre finishes. He struggled from the four set with two sevenths. He got a couple podiums right off the bat. And he's improved there with six, five, four, but it's okay. Maybe 30 points down to one rider, but then to be 28 points down to another rider and then 25 points to the third rider. Yeah. There's no chance in hell that all three of these guys are going to hit the grenade button and El Ombre is going to get a chance. His, uh, his windows closed and we're only seven rounds in. And that's a shame because I think we really thought we we're going to see him pull off at least another seven wins battle for the title. Um, it's down to a three guy battle and the, uh, the Cowie team is once again, still struggling. They're down to AC is gone. Jason's alone and he's going to be running. Uh, he could run some podiums, but there's no chance in hell we'll see him uh, win this title. Yeah, he can salvage some uh, some race wins perhaps this, uh, throughout the rest of this year, but that's all he can really focus on. All right, on to our next segment, which is brought to you by airwheeliesonly.com. Yes, that's a real website. You can go there right now. Uh, there's posts on it every single week, including the Supercross Survivor Challenge and the Super Survivor Challenge, in which I think I'm still active in at least one of those. Uh, I know I'm I'm still in the uh, the Supercross Survivor. Fingers crossed that my luck continues in that respect. Uh, and but this is our versus challenge questions. Two idiots go in, only one emerge victorious. So far, we have Checkers with the current lead in this. He's got three correct to Debo's two correct. It's a close battle between these two, and uh, it's time to do battle again. Are you are you gentlemen ready? Well, technically, Absolutely. I won them all last week because Denny wasn't here. So I, um, you probably like argued with points. no, I knew you argued with yourself. I know you're that well. You literally <laughs> probably changed the camera angle. You might have. <laughs> yeah, arguing both sides of the point. Uh, Checkers is certainly good at that. Um, but uh, let's roll straight into these things. Who finishes better at Daytona, Christian Craig or Richard Hampshire? Holy crap. Well, that's a Here's great question. Thing. You look at Christian Craig and you don't really think outdoor warrior, but he's pretty dang good outdoors. You don't see the guy he's that good hangs it out on the, on the edge and goes fast, which I feel like is something that you need at Daytona. So I'm just going to go with that. He's not going to hang it out enough. You know, RJ is going to hang it out. And we also have the history of the 250 guys jumping into the 450 class at Daytona. Heck yeah, I'm going to go RJ Hampshire. You want to know why? Because he's going to go fast no matter what. He has no pressure. He's not expected to do anything. He's just going to go out and rip. And I don't think Craig's going to match his speed. And then, I mean, you have the all the history. Jeremy Martin. You have Jason Lawrence. I think Sexton did it and Tomac did it. Now, potentially, I can't remember. I should have probably done my research on this to really nail down my point. But if Jason Lawrence can get on the podium on a 450 at Daytona when he wasn't training at all and half the time wasn't even showing up to the races, then I think RJ Hampshire can beat Christian Craig's seventh or eighth place finish. That's a great question. Uh, two, two, um, wow. At, at the numbers, like you said, uh, Checkers, I mean, uh, the success of a two to guy jumping on a 450 at, at Daytona has proven time and time again be very exciting, very uh, uh, successful for, like you said, Jay Martin and, and Jay Law and and probably a couple of others that we don't even know at the time. But let's be honest, Craig is, is a powerhouse outdoors. Uh, RJ is a powerhouse outdoors as well. On the 250, he's probably going to be a representative in, in uh, motocross the nations on the 250. But 
Craig's been doing on a, on a 450 many, many times. He's got two seasons of riding a 450 outdoors in 35 minute heat. Uh, I can't see RJ making it 20 minutes plus one without pushing that front end like a broom. There's so much sand out there on the floor. It needs to be piled up, thrown in like Catler into a trash box or something. Meanwhile, RJ's over there with his broom in his little dustpan scooping up. Meanwhile, Christian Craig is willing by and for his third top eight in a row, possibly even a top five, because this is the most outdoor track I think we'll see all season Supercross. And uh, this is my chance. Let's do it, Craig. Don't let me down, brother. <laughs> All right, we I talk love about it. the riders that were not on the starting gate when he got those fabulous outdoor results, just like the Supercross ones that got us in this situation in the first place. Fucking argument yeah, you've ever had in your life, ever. Just it, Devo is on brand race. if he's nothing else. Devo is yes. on brand if he's nothing else. All right, so this next question is a little bit more difficult to really determine a winner. But we'll, So what we're going to do is between these two team managers, we're going to use their best riders uh, from this weekend's results to, to determine who the winner of this particular challenge is. Who would you rather have as a team manager, Lars Lindstrom or Ian Harrison? Debo, I'll let you pick first. I'm going to go with Lars. Uh, I personally know Lars. Uh, I've been a fan of his from when he was working. Good looking man. Yeah, long time known him. Uh, someone I've actually talked with and talk, hung out with a little bit. Um, Ian, I don't know him as quite as well, but Lars, he's like someone that, that would bring out the best of his guys. Obviously, he brought out the best with Chad Reed and the CR22 team. I'm a big fan of what he's done. I think he realizes that Honda has missed a lot of time of winning, a lot of missed opportunities. Keo's done a great job, but they have yet to find the success. They threw the reins to Lars. His dad's had the job. Uh, we're seeing Honda fucking destroying right now. The Lawrence brothers are crushing it. Chase is, sex, uh, Chase is killing it. I'm pumped with Lars. Uh, Lars Lynchum, I'm a big fan of his, and I, I hope he rolls in and gets himself some titles this year. Brings Honda to the forefront uh, of the iconic brand that I grew up on with uh, Johnny O and RJ, and uh, it just goes on and on. Rick, Ricky Johnson, this is what I'm seeing, and, and I love what he's bringing. Well, on my other hand, I think Orange is struggling. The pumpkin's turned to Halloween's already cracked. Uh, it's time for Alice in Wonderland to go home. I don't understand how you could say Orange is crumbling. They have a whole lot more championships racked up in that 450 class than Honda's had lately. And I'm a Honda guy. I love Honda. Would I love to go hang out with Lars? I would probably love to hang out with Lars. He sounds like a pretty fun dude. But here's the fact of the matter. On the racetrack, the results aren't getting it done. KTM has one down year last year, and everyone's, oh, the brand sucks. They're terrible, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Webb's right back in the title fight again. He's got a couple Supercross championships. AP's looking better than ever, better than he ever did on the Yamaha before he got this KTM deal. Holy crap, he's doing good. The only thing that might suck about being Ian Harrison, besides the fact that your team on the 450 side is kicking some major butt, is the fact you got Roger over your shoulder all the time, probably still pulling all the strings so you don't control your own destiny. So if you're asking me who's going to be the more successful team manager, I mean, i got to go with the philosophy that it's already been proven. Ian and Roger have been a powerhouse duo and really good. So if we're going on results, I would go that way. Who I would rather have, I'm going to hang out with Lars, and I'm going to ride a Honda because Hondas are freaking awesome, and that's the only thing I'm going to ride. I'm going to go down to Storm Honda and buy them even as long as Lars wants to be my team manager. We're going to go kick some ass on the racetrack, and then we're going to go have a beer after and laugh about it. So All I right, guess so I'll you guys both Ian Harrison, but ride red, baby. For results, <laughs> I'm going to go Ian Harrison. 
But Fair I enough. I, I hope that uh, Ian Harrison uh, crams it up both your hoops. Uh, and uh, honestly, though, uh, Lars Lindstrom is just good people. All right, boys. Uh, we got a couple of guys on our next uh, versus question with or the versus challenge that are neck and neck in points. They're both on support level teams that don't get factory help. And honestly, they, they both got had a lot of success in 250 Supercross. Not so much in the 450 class, but these guys are basically the same vintage Really, really talented athletes. I'm interested to see how you guys shake these two out. Dean Wilson, who's in the twilight of his career, or you have Justin Hill, who is just a total whack-a-mole. We don't really know what to expect from him on any particular week. Checkers, I'll give you the floor first. Well, if we were going anywhere but Daytona, this one actually is pretty easy for me. Justin Hill's on the the up climb. He's, he's getting better and doing better and doing better. And he's not as beat up as Dean Wilson is. The fact is, is the years of supercross and injuries and stuff, they've absolutely destroyed Dean Wilson. The fact that he's still out there keeping a smile on his face and delivering reasonably good results is pretty incredible. However, we are going to Daytona and guess what? Dean Wilson was one of those guys that was a fill-in on Chad Reed's team and kicked, but I think he was first, he was fast qualifier or second fastest qualifier. Did he win a heat race? He's an outdoor national champion. It might have been a while ago, but he knows how to ride outdoors. And if there's one thing that's maybe a flaw in the Justin Hill program, it's going to be the end of a moto at Daytona. I'm going Dean Wilson to beat Justin Hill at Daytona. Mm, sorry, Depot. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, uh, again, they, they're right now currently uh, 12th and 13th in points. Uh, Dean's right at the cusp of top 10. Uh, Hill's got a 20th mixed in with his bike broke. He has a 10th at the last round, got those 10 bonus points in motor extreme 360.com and Hill. I have personally, I've known Josh and his brother, Justin for since they were little kids. I sponsored them at Smith. Uh, I remember Josh telling me stories about Justin, not really giving a shit. He was a chubby little kid running around on his little BMX bike. As he got older, he just chased ass. Um, he's an anomaly. As we've seen, he's went somewhat, so unbelievably got a supercross title on the 250, uh, went to Suzuki. We saw some flashes of brilliance there. And then he just disappeared, became a cop. And then he decided, fuck it, I want to come back. Uh, I think it's fantastic to see the, the Hill brothers, Josh and Justin. I think that's Josh actually beat him the last two rounds before this round. Uh, I think they're having a the time of their life. Uh, they're very tight. I think it's great to see him out there. I think Josh, uh, Justin Hill will put together pretty. He's, I, I see him putting some together, kind of like jo, J, Jason Lawrence did, J Law. I can see Justin getting a top five start getting in the zone, following some of the guys up front, getting the pace. And uh, while Dean just is kind of happy where he's at, getting through the night with nothing too crazy, well, Justin will pull off something crazy, spectacular, like a seventh or eighth at Daytona. So it's all Justin Hill for me. Um, big fan of both those guys, but it's cool to see the resurgence of a very talented rider like and, and, a, and a strong personality like Justin Hill. How ballsy would it be if I picked him in the Supercross uh, uh, survivor pool and actually like pull that out? I would like he even got a top 10 last weekend. Like that would have actually been a, like a, a viable pick. No one was picking him though. Um, all right. So for this next one, it's a little bit confusing because in, in order for Hardy to win this, he actually has to do badly in order to hurt everyone's uh, fantasy team. If, if, everyone's fantasy team does well that actually means that hardy does well so uh i'll let you guys uh, kind of fight this one out i kind of like seward both of you because this is a little bit confusing but who wins hardy munoz or everybody's fantasy team because yeah honestly this weekend in uh in daytona hardy munoz could be an absolute grenade with the pin pull the entire time debo you'll have the floor on this one 
Well, like you had uh, said already, I didn't really know who was on your team positively last week, but I also had Hardy on my team on my MXT. I saw that. Team. And so uh, I, I struggled with that at one point. I, I thought I'd go happy meeting with my riders. I thought he could run again enough after that's a, a fantastic uh, top 10 in, uh, in the round before. So uh, for my own benefit, I'm going to root against Hardy and go for, uh, I'm not really positive how the answer should be, but I, I hope... I hope Hardy doesn't do great because I don't want anyone else to, to benefit from him since I did not benefit from him. So I'm selfish in this game and uh, I hope Hardy has a very healthy 22nd. <laughs> what about you, Chicks? Do you guys remember the, the Supercross LCQ? I believe it was two years ago and there was like three red flags. And during one of them, the whole first lap, Hardy Munoz was dropping a rider in every single oh, yeah. freaking corner. He wore a it black was one of the helmet, greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> And then they threw the red yeah. flag. Um, I don't remember if he even made the main that night or not. The dude goes fast. He hangs it out. He's raced Daytona as an amateur. And I actually think that's a big benefit to these guys because you ride it so fast that you you have to ride it like an outdoor. And I think it just seems like the guys that have done that throughout their career, because not a lot of the amateur guys do it, it actually has benefited them as a pro. Um, I'm worried about him making the main event. I feel like if Hardy makes the main event, for some reason, he's just got so much heart. He's going to keep going and finish. And a lot of the guys in the 250 class are just, they're going to crash and just stop after they crash. Hardy's going to stop, break his handlebars off and hold on to his fork tube <laughs> to finish the race if he has to and still hold it wide open. So you confuse the crap out of me with the question. And honestly, Hardy's results are pretty confusing because you never know <laughs> what you're going to get other than a wide open throttle. But I'm going to go with Hardy Munoz is going to do well in Daytona. However, that makes my answer, Brad. Fair enough. I can well, see Hardy Munoz pulling a full leg, Mark Barnett, you know, uh, Magoo Chandler, goggles pulled down under over his under his face mask. Bart's like bent down, like he just said, throttling it. Yeah, I, we've been talking about him since day one. Uh, he's just made a great story. Um, you know, from our draft, he's, he's seen great television. I honestly, Supercross should yeah. be paying his way to the races because it's not. I love the fact cold. he's number 99, you know, just that he's right at the cusp Wayne of the three digit. Yeah, it is just he's, he's been a great story, and uh, I, I, I wish the best for him. But if he gets a 22nd or doesn't qualify and, and, and sinks a lot of teams, I won't be too, too disappointed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next one on the docket, we've got the battle of the star racing Yamaha rig uh, minus, of course, uh, Hayden Deegan. He didn't he for some reason he didn't make it into the verses this week, but I'm sure uh, he got lots of other coverage everywhere else under the sun. Um, Jordan Smith and his Jordan Smith, by the way, there's a it's there's two O's in his first name. Very odd. Uh, Jordan Smith versus Nate Thrasher checks. I'll let you uh, lead this one off. It's been way better all year. Way more consistent all year. He's there's there's nothing to even argue here. It's going to be Nate Thrasher. It's even a freaking speedway track add on top of that, but it could be anywhere. It could be in the parking lot. And I'm picking Nate Thrasher because at least he's going to finish the race without falling down. Yeah, I already, I, I got Jordan Smith. I, I knew you were going Thrasher because you've been you've been bummed on Jordan Smith all season. Not not completely, but you thought he'd crash and he has crashed. But he's riding out of his ass. He's riding far better than I think anyone thought. Go ahead. <laughs> How fitting was it when you're watching the race coverage, if you watched it back at all, and all of a sudden yeah. you just see a star Yamaha flip through the bottom of the screen with a lap to go, and you just know it's Jordan Smith because 
it's just Jordan Smith. And I got to say, like, I'm impressed with how he's riding this year. And I will yeah. let you finish the argument on this, Danny. I'm not at all putting down his riding. And I'm actually happy that he's doing something because he's doing better than I expected. So you can even say I'm wrong, but <laughs> we know he's going to fall down because that's what he does. Go ahead. He, he, he is. He's a spectacular crash as he finds moments to um... – it is. I mean, but again, I'm, I'm so happy that he's, he's found his niche. I was shocked and blown away as we all were, I think, on our text thread when we found out the word that Jordan had signed with Star. We've gone over it many times. Thrasher is kind of the future, while jo- Jordan is kind of the uh, the twilight of it right now, unless he can find some success, as he has. He's right there in points. Uh, he's sixth right now with a, a third and a second thrown in with a, a crash again at the round, at the second East round in Tampa. But I think we're seeing some great things from Smith. And I think that uh, a, a win for him is right around the corner. And uh, I think we could find it in Daytona. Thrasher's known for that outdoor speed a little bit, at, at least at Daytona. But uh, let's see Jordan Smith get out front. And uh, let's not do something spectacular. Let's get out front and win the son of a bitch. <laughs> I love it. All right. This one's going to be kind of interesting because every single week rolling forward, this is the, whoever wins between these two guys is either going to give a point to one of you or point to the other guy. Uh, Josh Hill versus Benny Bloss rest of season every single round these guys are going to be going head to head they've they're they're basically ne- right next to each other in points um yeah uh Debo I'll let you pick first uh but yeah this is going to be a, a rest of season uh Josh Hill versus Benny Bloss um well I've yet to pick Josh for MXD 360 but I every time I do pick Bloss it's a yard he sale and I get zero points so for me to pick Josh Hill, all I have to do is pick Bloss on my team, and I'm guaranteed that Josh Hill will do better because uh, it's just been I've been on or off for actually both these guys. Hill didn't qualify for a bunch of a couple rounds, and then went out and beat his brother in two of the three, uh, who was doing very well. Bloss, on the other hand, missed the main of the front bend at the first weekend, crashed and busted his ass pretty good. I mean, literally hurt his tailbone when I say that, and then it's been a slow grind. 16th, the 17th, he had a 12th last week, so. Um, I might, like I said, I'm going to have to go with Josh Hill. He's a longtime friend of mine, big fan of what him and his brother are putting together. And I can't trust Benny Bloss for, for, for anything. So, um, I actually have Bloss on my team this weekend. So I'm guaranteed this won't end well for Mr. Benny and that 44, uh, YZ, uh, Rock River Yamaha. What about you, Chex? Um, really interesting question. Cause I mean, I think you go, Benny Bloss is more of the roller coaster guy. I mean, he's, he's boomer bust for sure. He can crash out, be hurt, not show up, not make the main. Um, he can crash out of the main. He's can crash on the last lap of a main event all by himself and lose from get a like, top 10. You get a top 10 too. <laughs> and he can go, he can go the speed of a top 10 guy. He's legit. Yeah. Good. He's he'll try to ride through injuries. He's, he's on a great bike. Like, like I said, those new Yamahas look awesome. Um, <sighs> but Josh Hill is building. You can clearly see he found something that made him comfortable with his bike. And, and since then he's been a completely different rider. Um, and maybe it was just a mental switch. Maybe he had to change things up. I don't, whatever it is. Um, I can't argue you that Benny Bloss is going to score ahead of Josh Hill more than, more than Hill's going to beat him. Cause I don't Bloss could crash out and be gone the rest of the season. It wouldn't be something we haven't seen before. I think that you see Josh Hill just continue to do what he's doing. He's having a blast. I think him and Justin will continue to hover around that kind of 10 to 12 range. And as guys start to drop out, they're going to move up a little bit because I think both of them are riding well enough to stay finishing there but not crazy enough to crash out so i'm going josh hill as well so you don't have to keep score for the rest of the year brad we just went josh hill 
I'm just <laughs> one right, thing fair about well, ben, with, uh, with Benny is, is, is I watched uh, a couple rounds ago. Um, one of my good friends, Tammy Cole came over and she knows Benny very well. And we were just watching him. And I asked her like, like how tall is Benny? Like, she's like, man, he's like six, five. And I just cannot he's tall imagine that. Being that tall. I mean, he makes Pastrana look small, really, you know, and, and he makes that 450 Yamaha look like he's riding a, a 250F, 125-80. And it's shocking. I can't imagine the, you know, we've watched Ryan Lachine. That he was considered tall, but, yeah, what Benny's doing, uh, I mean, he, he makes, yeah, it's just crazy. I can't imagine being that tall, trying to make a motorcycle work underneath you because the, the, the ergos are not built for some of that size. Um, but, again, he's done well. But, again, Josh Hill at the end of the season, we'll, we'll do, we'll do the best. The funny thing about uh, Travis Estrada is everyone always says that he is super tall and yes, he looked super tall on a dirt bike. Travis Estrada is six foot one. Like <laughs> he's a, he's an inch taller than I am. And yeah, I look pretty, uh, pretty big on a dirt bike too, but like he, he's not a giant of a man. It's just the fact that uh, the majority of supercross champions uh, Ricky Carmichael, uh, Jeremy McGrath, James Stewart, Chad Reed are all even Cooper Webb. They're not big guys at all. Like I, I don't think a single one of them is five nine. There's yeah. definitely some advantage, especially with the new chassis, to be a more compact rider. Yes, um, and you got to think like when I deal with like setup on chassis and stuff like that, just like watching guys, you if you move back just an inch, the transfer of weight is so much. The leverage ratio is so much for a guy like Benny that if he gets thrown off just a little bit, it, it's a much bigger change. And that's, I'm guessing, honestly, as a lot of the reason that the crashes are being caused. Now, granted, he can soak stuff up and that side of things that can be an advantage, but I do think it is a disadvantage to him. Um, Denny, what, what were your thoughts? Oh, no, I, I was just going to agree with you 100%. You know, I was thinking to say the exact same thing that, uh, really? shockingly, yes. I mean, and you said it perfectly. Like I, I was, I was going to, as I was thinking of it, and I'd said that during, you know, at, at a time it was, it was very beneficial to have long legs, get to the whoops and do stuff. And you could do things like Wyndham and, but again, the, the disparate, the, 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 the separation of weight or the, the distribution of weight can be so dramatic when you're taller. Whereas Ricky was so compact on the bike where he could get kicked and he's still on top of the motorcycle without all that leverage. Um, so yeah, what a, what, I can't believe we finally agree on that. That's That is epic. You might want to write that down, maybe on a, a sign on the wall or something calendar this. Cause uh, that is something that I mean, we've never discussed ever before. And a hundred percent agree upon. Yeah. And that again, goes back to what I started saying, Betty Bloss at six, four has got to be just incredible because a motorcycle is not meant for someone to ride that big. And he rides a show that. So when I pick Josh, Josh Hill, we both check Josh Hill. That's no slam on uh, Mr. Benny. All right, guys, I, I, I can't stress this enough is I, purposely asked you two to be on this show six weeks ago because i know you disagree on a lot of things and i think you both need to start smartening up and 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 if you're going to continue to agree on things i will only pick topics that i know that you differ on uh so that you can call each other assholes and and move on with the rest of your day um please smarten up and act accordingly thank you very much all right so let's move on to our next uh, sort of uh daytona bit of an open co- uh, conversation portion of this let's start off with the 250s i've got a question for each one of us yes i'm even going to pose a question to myself and then and i'm going to answer to myself it's gonna be lots of fun uh kicking things off with debo give me a rider whose results will flourish because it's daytona baby well we're gonna have i'm gonna go with michael moseman it's time for him to step up it's a big track it's an outdoor track he definitely goes very fast outdoors uh, we've seen his speed. His flowing speed is very capable. 
Uh, I think we can see a top three, maybe in a top two, maybe in a win out of Michael this weekend. If you can get up front, run the pace. <coughs> Sorry, I had a frog in my throat. I think that he, uh, Michael Mosman can finally pull his head out of his ass, run some top fives, run podium, and get up front this weekend. I think he's going to do very well. And I think um, that was a great question. I was going to go Thrasher, but it was too obvious. I think Mosman is probably going to get to his, start turning the page, and his, uh, his season will definitely start flourishing, as you said, because of Daytona. Now, checkers, who in the 250 class will struggle mightily because Daytona is a fickle mistress? Well, first, can I point out that Denny, you want us to tell me tell me that he's wrong? You don't pick Jeremy freaking Martin who kills it at Daytona that is going to benefit for it? Or how about the world motocross champion named Tom Vial? Okay, just let those go right over your head, Denny. That's okay. You're going to go with the dude that's been pretty average all year. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah, I wish you luck. But who's going to yeah. struggle? Well, flourish. I I have to think that the rookies in general will struggle because it's such a weird and challenging racetrack and you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And as soon as they did do that, they're most likely going to end up on their heads. So um, if I have to pick one, I don't want to. I really I don't want to pick Hayden Deegan to struggle because I've really liked the the story that he's building of just being a pretty solid guy. But I, I have to think that Daytona is going to be a little bit challenging. It's going to be some adversity for Hayden Deegan because he benefits from being so technically sound on a supercross track normally. And you can really get into the flow. And I think that that's going to he's going to struggle worse than the rest of the rookies on that racetrack. Fair Do you enough. think Hymas will be better than Deegan? Not to interrupt, but, but yeah. Yes. Hymas over Deegan, is that what you're telling me right now, Checkers? I think so, because I think Hymas will continue to do exactly what he's been doing, which is be very solid and very strong. Also, remember, Hymas hasn't off-road background that he's been doing the past few years racing those works races and stuff which that is perfect practice for daytona of hitting terrain with square edges and unpredictable sandy crap so i gotta say that that should benefit imus i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that and i hope i'm wrong like i said i want the deegan story to continue because it is really cool to see that he's he's been really solid yeah. your head so all right far so the next question is to brad brad who do you think will be unaffected by the outdoorsy speedwise speedway style track well, Brad, that's actually a very good question. I'm glad that you asked it. Uh, as my camera stops working, that's awesome. I'll just switch over to my other camera. That doesn't make me look nearly as good. Um, I'm actually going to go with Chance Hymas. Uh, Checkers read my mind and possibly read the script for the or the the set of questions that I already had written off um, leading into this. But uh, I am going to go with Chance Hymas. I think that uh, his approach to racing right now, he's very even keel. He takes what's given to him and he he doesn't push the racetrack uh, whatsoever. So I'm going to go with Chance Hymas uh, to basically continue status quo, uh, be somewhere in the the top seven, top eight. And uh, and continue being con consistent throughout this weekend, and uh, yeah, I, I actually think that he'll probably be one of the better placing uh, rookies for this particular event. I don't know if he beats uh, Deegan, but I do expect both of them to be outside the top five, uh, just due to rookie mistakes and Daytona and all that fun stuff. Moving over to four fifties and Denny Stevenson, I got my crosshairs on you, my friend. This next question is aimed at you: Who will be unaffected in the four fifty class rolling into Daytona? Who's just going to just basically be who he is? Is, no matter what the racetrack is. Um, I think that's going to be Tomac. I, you know, I think that he, again, has had some success here, so much success, six wins. Uh, we talked about earlier how Webb really kind of came out of nowhere with it la uh, last year as well. I think Eli already knows that he's the best rider here. He owns it. Uh, if anyone can ever come into an event thinking that Ricky Carmichael or McGrath in, a, in an event, knowing that I'm better than everyone else, it's going to be Eli Tomac. 
he just knows how to win. He knows to get the job done. He knows the way the track breaks down. And I think even when you're behind somebody, I think he's just going to wait on his ass until they make a mistake and he'll capitalize as he does. Because, um, <clears throat> again, he's the only guy I know of that can drop two sec, three seconds on a lap. And when he needs to do it, he'll do it. And I think this will be the weekend when Webb maybe get out front and Eli just goes, fuck it, drops a hammer and uh, eats him up and, and kind of tries to do his best to break Webb's spirits. All right. I like it. Uh, checkers Daytona. It's uh it's a track that it can either help you or hurt you. Who is going to benefit from rolling into Daytona this weekend in the 450 class? It's going to be not a rider. It's going to be riders. It's going to be star racing Yamaha. Here's the deal. They have a great motorcycle. That's very stable. They have Eli Toback, the winningest rider ever in Daytona supercross history, who is as good as he's ever been this year. Then you bring in the national motocross champion not that long ago who was having his best supercross season. He's back on the racetrack, Dylan Ferrandis. I mean, he's back on the track. He's going to do better than he's been doing when he hasn't been there, and he's going to be really good. And then give me Justin Cooper to be considerably strong at just being consistent, lap in and lap out, getting through the rough stuff. He knows outdoors. He knows supercross. He's been fantastic on the 450. Give me the star racing Yamaha team as a whole to flourish in Daytona. I think that there's a very good chance you see all three of those guys in the top 10 at the end of the night. And most likely you'll see probably top six. I would say you'll see two of them. I like it. All right. So Brad, I got another question for you. It's a, it's a great question. I think that you'll like it. Uh, Brad, who will struggle mightily in the 450 class uh, due to the fact that Daytona can be very challenging at times? Well, that's a great question, Brad. I appreciate you asking it. Uh, I'll give you the best answer that I can come up with on this particular day. Um, I think this, this track definitely does not suit the uh the smooth style of a colt nichols colt nichols is is a great west coast supercross guy i think that's where his strengths lie when those sort of a uh, hard pack conditions where uh, you're struggling to get traction and stuff like that um and you have to be very precise with your motorcycle and not that you don't have to be precise at daytona uh but it's a track that that really benefits somebody who can kind of hang it out and, and bounce off of stuff and and uh, kind of take what the, the track is giving you and i don't know that 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 completely falls within um, Colt Nichols skill set, or at least what he's, uh, what his strengths are. Uh, so I would say that uh, he's been struggling lately and that doesn't get fixed this weekend at Daytona. I have him outside my top five. In fact, could be outside the top 12 if things really don't go his way. That's a great question. That's a great answer, Brad. I appreciate you giving your input on that. Um, so let's move over to the contenders. Let's talk about some, some guys who are can, can contend for both wins and championships the rest of the year. Um, Checkers, I'm going to let you answer this one first. Give me your top two contenders in all three championships for the rest of the season. All right. Well, I had to pull the points up just to verify, just to kind of make sure that I'm I'm, I'm on pace here with 250 West. You got to go, obviously, points leader, Jet Lawrence. I mean, that's going to be in all of them. You're going to go with points leader, I would assume. And the other guy who's going to be his biggest challenger right now, Hampshire, sits second in points. I still think McAdoo's more consistent, more solid, and more of a threat, especially after this break when he's going to be more healthy. So I'm going to go Jet Lawrence and Cameron McAdoo for the 250 West. 250 East, Hunter Lawrence and Nate Thrasher. Um Thrasher's got the speed on everybody else in the in the class. Um, he's he's down some points, but he's the guy. Um, and then the 450s, 
You, you got to pick two. two, huh? Well, I mean, my title contender is Chase Sexton, and I'm not backing down from that, especially as he continues to be the fastest guy. And at the end of the day, speed wins championships, and Tomac also is the next fastest guy, and he also has the consistency, the tenacity, and all the wins to go along with it. So those are my guys. I'm going to drop out Cooper Webb, but I think it stays a three-rider fight. So your question is kind of not very good. <laughs> ah, that's what makes it, it it's it's a tough question that that's what makes it a good question uh debo i'll let you take that one next what the one that we just went through right there yes have, i want your I mean, top two in every class well that's good i go with jet i'm gonna go with cameron um again like checkers uh i think in the west or the east i think it's gonna be hunter again but i'm gonna go with jordan smith i think jordan smith's gonna start getting faster and faster and thrasher is gonna keep building upon things but i think you're gonna have one big grenade from him where it's going to take him out of the points chase um similar to what jordan's already done and for the 450 tomac's been my guy since day one and this for the 2023 um and sexton was originally my guy but i'm gonna drop chase out and move cooper webb into that number two spot i think that the uh chase is, is learning still and when it's going to come down to mental strength that those two got him beat and it's going to be a two rider battle between the number one which is the three and the number two so i think we're it's just going to get better as these races start clicking off fair enough i'll I'll weigh in quickly on this one uh, i'm going to go with jet and cameron on the west those two are just i think they're the class of the field and uh cameron a little bit of a wild card but he does keep it on two wheels uh often enough to probably get second in that championship 250 250 east it's got to be thrasher it's got to be uh hunter those are the only two guys that have really been in contention for a win uh both i i just i don't see i don't like at this point, Jordan Smith is too many points down. I think he's 20 points down uh, after three rounds. Uh, he would have to do some serious winning and even get uh, some uh, some help from his uh, his teammate in the way of a bad finish. Uh, that eight, eight points that he got at round two, uh, I think it was round two, uh, really hurt his chances for the championship. Uh, and then for the for the 450 class, um, give me Webb, give me Eli Tomac. We haven't, we've seen a plenty of crashes from Chase Sexton. We haven't seen a big one yet, and I don't want to mm-hmm. wish anything bad on anybody. But uh, yeah, if he has a bad one, uh, he could he could exit stage right for this championship right quick. Uh, Debo, uh, who won't contend for championships the rest of the season, but will contend for wins? This is a good question. Well, I think we spoke about it earlier. Jason Anderson is definitely out of this title hunt, but he seemed to be kind of uh, forming, gelling with the bike a little bit better. Whatever he was uh, mentally struggling with at the beginning of the season, it was holding him back. I had heard he came in a little sick. I heard he came in, uh, had gotten a little COVID, and maybe he was feeling some of the effects of that, whether or not that's true or not, whether that's just a rumor and excuse, I don't know. But I think, you know, Ombre, you don't come off of seven wins as, as, as he did under the radar. Uh, his he, his interviews are not quite as jovial. I see the frustration in his eyes, but he's too fast, too talented, uh, and he's going to come out. I think he's got at least three more wins, three wins under his belt. He has none so far this season, but I see the El Hombre, number 21, Monster Energy Kawasaki, Jason Anderson with three wins by the end of the season, but no chance at a title. What say you, Checkers? Well, I mean, I think you got to put Anderson on the potential winner list because he's the only one that's really – shown to consistently have some of the speed. He just doesn't maybe have the luck to to be in there. Um, I don't think he gets three that, that Denny's at just because the championship guys, when you have three contenders so good, um, they see it tend to rise to the top at the end of a year. I think the only other guy I see that could potentially come in and get a 450 
Supercross win if Jet Lawrence doesn't get a ride one, which it doesn't look like he's going to, um, is potentially Dylan Ferrandis. Honestly, I he was really, really good to start this season off and consistent, and his starts were slightly better. I think that he maybe could figure out something to magically have a night where he just gets a start and pulls one off because he does have a lot of speed. I don't see Barsha getting a win. I don't see Roxon getting a win. Um, I do see Plessinger being on the podium a couple more times and he has made a step up, but I don't think he's ready to win races yet. Um, so that's for those guys. Um, you've got to say that RJ Hampshire can win races out on the West. I mean, he's, he's faster than all get out. Um, I still think you very well might find Hayden Deegan winning a race this year. I really do. I, you never know, you know, if he nails a start and he has some speed and he's learning so quickly. Um, so I think on that side, you could say him, um, other than that title contenders, I mean, you could say Jordan Smith, but I, it takes him putting a whole race together. If he does it, he can do it, but it's going to be one out of 10 that he puts together, I guess. So um, can, those Max, are my only can, Max, can Max Ansey get a win? I don't think so. I, I would love to see it. I think it would be amazing if he did. I would, I would love to see it, but um I think that you're starting to, again, you, we, we, I talk about it all the time. You, you notice the difference between the factory guys and the not factory guys the consistency to be there every week starts to fall off. And we're seeing it a little bit with Max Anstey. I mean, it started off real hot and it's still good. He's having a fantastic year. And I know that a guy like Mitch Payton would take him in a heartbeat to have that year right now of those results that he's having on his team instead, but it's, I don't think he's going to win a race now. All right. Fair enough. Appreciate the the feedback boys. Uh, I'll go to checkers on this one first. Who has been the most impressive privateer in the 250 class this year? Um, East coast. With 250 East. I mean, I guess you got to define privateer. Cause I mean, there's some people that would say that Max Anstey's a privateer, but I wouldn't put him in that realm. Um, excluding the like the uh satellite I mean, teams, exclude like... the phoenix honda guys like jay Sowen, for instance yes. i mean he's been very good well then we got to start digging danny if you have one you want to fire off while i'm doing some digging go for um, it Jer- jeremy hand's been riding well um you know he's kind of flies under the radar always does um he's had some great outdoor results you know playing the game and running mxt 360 you definitely get a chance to see these guys names and, and track them and uh, I'm just looking at his results from from Arlington, and he he banged out a, a three a two sixteenths and a fifth for fifteenth overall. And as far as I'm concerned, he is probably the most true privateer out there. Um, you know, even Henry Miller's been riding really well, uh, but you know, I think he gets it's a little bit more of a, a, a more of a stronger ride. But Henry's been riding really well as, as well. But I think Han is kind of finally coming into his own in Supercross. I don't know. I know he's kind of struggled a little bit in the past, but. It's nice to see him out there, and he's he's killing it on a uh, you see a Valley Ford truck, Dean Hushin insulation Honda. So, um, Mantua, Ohio, uh, number ninety one. So I, I'm really stoked to Jeremy Hand for right now. Yeah, nice pull with Hand. Um, definitely have to mention Luke Nice. He was in all three main events, and he's on a very similar program as well to Hand as the full privateer. And then the other one I was I was going to pull up that I'd actually had in my mind when I first read the question was Henry Miller. He's been 13, 14, 12 in the main events. He's a solid veteran guy. He's still, it's a privateer program. Um, very privateer program. I mean, it, it looks great from the outside, but it's it's still definitely a budget deal. And, and he's been really, really solid and strong. So um, shout out to Henry Miller. Plus he just sent us a jersey in the mail. So I like it. I was going to go with Miller myself. Uh, it's time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for him to get on his soapbox 
and let us know what he's learned for those many years of contending for championships in the amateur ranks, the professional ranks, and even banging fibulas in uh, the in the barns of Arena Cross throughout the 90s and early, early 2000s. Denny Stevenson, it's time to debate with Debo. What do you got? Debo, have four strokes changed the timeline in which people turn pro and eventually hang up the boots? It's, it, maybe it's just this era, but it seems like guys are turning pro later than later and staying at the track longer and longer. Uh, given guy, guys that are contending for championships way older in age than they did only even just 10 years ago. Uh, is it still realistic for a 16-year-old to turn pro uh, on a 250F compared to 125s back in your day? Um, that's a great question. I mean, it's even hard to answer because it's such a, it is so in-depth that we could talk about it for 30, 30 minutes. I think there's no, uh, there's no doubt that I, I think the 450 is completely overshot the CC's Nobody imagined that they were going to make these things run like 500 cc motorcycles with over 60 horsepower. Supercrosses aren't meant for them. Uh, 450 you can't race in arena cross. Um, I don't know if it's extended riders' careers as much as the the physical, the health net, health levels, and the conditioning. And as we've seen in every professional sport, uh, the riders are bigger, stronger. Uh, nothing to take away from guys like Jeff Ward, Johnny O'Mara. Mark Barnett, who definitely trained their asses off. Uh, it's just more of a science now. I think that's what allowing these guys to run race longer. Um, I, to see a 16-year-old pop off on a, on, a, uh, on a 250F, God, it's such a big step, you know. I mean, what a shame that these manufacturers haven't been living with 125 two-strokes. Can you imagine how many they'd be selling uh, to these kids to have uh, be able to race? I mean, obviously, 125s are on uh, still the amateur level. Um, but it's a big step. I can't imagine going from an 80 uh, 85 to a GTF from a uh, 42 horsepower, 45 horsepower motorcycle. Until we see a kid start coming up again, like, like James or Ricky or even Jet, you know, he came real close, but uh, now that these two of these supercross guys can stand it longer, there's a little point out rule. <clears throat> these 16 year old kids are going to be banging bars with 30 year old guys with beards and two kids and, and a wife. So um, it's, it's a bummer. It's great to see the longevity of these riders, but it's also, it's gaggling all these guys up in the 2D class because 4D riders are staying so much longer, which is fantastic. I'm so stoked that Eli's going to ride outdoors for next year, possibly take you know, go to the nations and back up his, his, his title win. Um, but it's, it's also not allowing as much talent up into the 4D class because they're stuck in the 250. Um, I know it's just a different sport altogether. Obviously, I grew up in the 90s. Um, I'm, I'm pretty famous for yelling at kids to get off my lawn and uh, that I walked uphill both ways in the snow. I'm just enjoying the sport right in it the way it is. Again, I, I'm not happy with the 450s at all. I think we should go back to 175 and a 350 if possible. But as Checkers said, no chance of that. So we'll just keep watching and enjoying it. Checkers, were you going to chime in there and talk about how yeah. hot uh, Jordan Smith's wife is? Ooh, I need to check her out. I haven't seen. Oh, I mean, she is an absolute. <laughs> so I'm going to give a rating. You know, we got to we got to we got to look. And you know, I, I only speak in facts on this show, so I have to check that out to give <laughs> you a factual answer. It's really but, nice. But I just wanted to touch on the fact, you know, a lot of times people talk about the success of this pro circuit Kawasaki program being linked to the engine builder. That was amazing that they had behind the scenes. But I want to talk about the team green program and they've had some of the gnarliest dudes coming up through their program. Guys like Ryder D that's going through it right now, jet Reynolds and jet Reynolds. Yep. I'm drawing a blank on, on people. Lance there's, Kobush. There's Adam Cianciarulo. Um, guys that are coming Me up and they partner. they get to 
they graduate super minis as the hottest kid in the like they're destroying everyone and time after time guess what they jump on a 250f and they're getting hurt and they're getting hurt and they're getting hurt you cannot recover from those injuries a lot of times you while everyone else that's a very crucial point in your career where you gain a ton of speed and you're gradually getting better and you're growing as a human being going from boy strength to man strength and if you're constantly broken you're not in the gym you're not working out you're falling behind and you're mentally falling behind at a mentally fragile spot in your career too i truthfully think that the kawasaki team green program is struggling to graduate riders into mitch's truck to be successful like they've done so well in the past because they don't have a 125 program and those kids are constantly getting hurt because they're not going to go slow on a 250f and the fact is they can go just as fast as anyone they can move off a super mini and go win the freaking a class pretty much right away speed wise but you know what they can't do when the bike swaps sideways, they don't have the man strength to put the thing back under them. They're on their heads. And the injuries start piling up. And that is just one spotlight on a program. So I do think that the 250F has pushed pro careers starting later before success. Um, I don't know if necessarily the four strokes have made it longer, but that's something I feel really strongly about that every rider should be going from a super mini onto a 125 for a good year to build some man strength up before you get onto that 250F. I think the biggest contributor to having long careers is the fact that these guys aren't making the same kind of money as they were back in the day. Like they need to work. They they need to raise longer because they, to make the same amount of money that guys made 15 years ago, they have to race longer. That's just the way it is. I like uh, you get like exceptions like Brayton, who I think just genuinely loves it. Uh, But um, I would say that Ricky Carmichael made more before the age of 27 than, uh, most of these guys have like hitting 30, 31 years old. I don't know, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the longevity due to uh, desperation for a salary. I, 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 I like this aspect. I was a hit on the checkers talk about the man strength thing. That was something definitely I had mentioned. I'd mentioned Brian Deegan about a couple of times, you know, knowing him over the years and asking his opinion with Hayden, where, where's he at? What's going on? You know, kind of picking his brain. And that's something he, he, he reiterated multiple times is, is that man strength. Um, and checkers again, I, I hate, hate when we agree, but uh, <laughs> these kids would definitely get on a bike and go fast. I remember being, you know, 13, 14, riding 125s and 2D locally. Um, but I also remember when that bike got, did something I couldn't do. Um, it was hard to bring it back. And, 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 and that's, doubling the cc's that's a great point and very interesting and yeah man strength and these are big boy bikes and i think that this 4v class has become more premier that these guys are getting older and getting stronger um and coming into their own longer in their career it's a it's even a bigger step from the 2d class now into the 450 than it was from 125 to 250 because the bikes are so much gnarlier tracks are so much faster um i think it takes longer to your career to get stronger as they have as in every sport, you know, people aren't retiring in their late twenties or retiring in their thirties, mid thirties these days in all professional sports. We're seeing it with LeBron, LeBron James, uh, his longevity in, in the basket and NBA um, and even NASCAR. Um, just people are figuring out their bodies and, and, and making themselves stronger, wiser as they get older, instead of breaking down. Absolutely. And on top of that, like uh, you think of like a, a marathon runner or, or a, a Ironman athlete, uh, which motocross is as as physically challenging a sport as you can possibly have. And the prime of those careers is in your late 20s, early 30s. And we're seeing that with guys like uh, Eli Tomac, Jason Anderson, honestly, even uh, like 
Cooper Webb's entering that is it, it's it's going to be a young man's game because of the injuries that pile up. Uh, but on a strength standpoint and just the pure athleticism side of things, uh, if you can, can sustain yourself and can continue to be at the pinnacle of your game, uh, a, a man's athletic peak is right in through their late 20s, early 30s. And that's where we see some of the where these contenders are at right now. Yeah, great question. Yeah, well said. I like it. All right, guys, uh, it's time to dr- uh, dream on a segment uh, that is based basically specifically in the uh, the fantasy game that we have. Uh, we have some like we, we each picked uh, six riders for the 450 class and uh, or no four riders for the uh, for the 450 class, three riders for the 250s uh, and on either coast. Uh, at one point, Checkers had to completely redesign his 250 East. Uh, I've had to do some of that myself. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Checkers, you, you were doing some overhauling before that series even started, correct? It has been an absolute nightmare. I'm going to actually drop, pull up our, uh, uh, just our spreadsheet checkers checkers team. I've never seen, I didn't realize there were that many colors in, so in, many in, red. On, on, on Excel because he, I, he had to replace, he's had to replace James Malcolm Stewart. He had to replace Muskin. He's now had to replace Cian Cirillo. He's had to replace Ferrandis. Um, it's just gone over and over with injuries. Uh, and then you, you spoke of the two of the East there on this other, this game we're playing this draft game with Brad's team. He had to replace his entire two of the East team before the season even started. He had to replace yes. Hammaker, he had to replace Shimoda. He had to replace Marge Banks. Um, it really just shows how gnarly, like we talked about just a minute ago, how gnarly this sport is, how physical it is, physical it is. And it takes these little guys years and years to kind of get their shit together. And I'm going to say it once again, I've just, I have no red in my, my, and I'm going to, I'm probably going to punish myself. I have no red in my spreadsheet. No one's gotten hurt. Knock on wood. I am totally screwed from the rest of the season, but we are redrafting after this round of Daytona. We're uh, doing into a new team for next week, which we'll go through as well. But I have to tell We're you, we're going to do that live on the show as well. Awesome. Yeah, so fun. I've won five out of seven rounds so far. It's been a thorough beat down, but it's, it's, it's been a lot of luck and, and staying injury free. So I've been, I've been a complete opposite of Mitch Payson pro circuit team. I am the pinnacle. If you can look at two opposite that spectrums, I'm the one with uh, all the, all the cleared uh, no red and doing very well. Yeah. So I'll get first draft pick. Um, I have the series standings up on the screen. Um, 761 points to 874. I got a long ways to catch up, Denny. But baby, I get first draft pick and the freight train's coming. And if not, that means that whatever riders I pick, I'm so sorry because it means your year's probably over. Because yeah, I've had a worse year than Mitch Payton, I think. Yeah. You I have one. Yeah, it'll be two, interesting. You're actually five. closer to me than I am to Denny. So uh yeah, you, you have a, a long way to go, but so do I. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a struggle, but it's been a lot of fun and just in learning to play it. And um, that's what Denny does, man. He comes up with all these fun games and I encourage you guys, you know, to ask him, you know, about the format of these draft games and he'll give you the formula. I'm sure so you can do it with your buddies and it's a ton of fun and just, you know, follow along with us. I just pray that I can keep some guys healthy because it's not just this one. I'm in another draft league and I was joking coming into it when we did this, I've never lost one of these before. And I have over 50%, almost 60% of my riders have been injured and have replacements. And now I'm to the point where I'm having replacements for my replacements, which speaking <laughs> of is Savachi in for this weekend. Did we find out or do I have to, I don't think so. Too? I know. I, I thought he was according to uh racer X's injury report. He said that he's banged up. 
but he'll be riding. So I think the only person that that's we don't would to be determined is, is AC. And I think we just got a report at the last minute before the show that AC is out, but Ferrandis is in. Savachi should be in. Uh, there was no word. I think Bloss, Checkers, you thought he had crashed or something, but I, I kind of asked on that, and he's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, his th- result was pretty good, so I guess um, I was probably just wrong, and I just got the rounds mixed up of when Bloss crashed and yeah. potentially was hurt. So, yeah, if you're into fantasy football and drafting leagues like you do on ESPN, uh, this is a game I came up with that's very similar, and if you have any interest at all, you can always hit me up at mxt360.com or uh, any, any social media because I'd love to give you the rules and, and for you guys to get together with some of your buddies and do it. it. It's a good time and something different. It's simple. There's no salaries. or You just uh, you lay them out, and guys, you, you pick a team. And when your players get riders get hurt, yeah, which I've had to kind of bend the rules of trying to figure out because I was expecting these riders to get hurt. So, um, but enough of that. Let's uh, let's get dive into this MXD 360 chaos. MXD360.com. If you're not already playing, you should be. Enter. You can win a set of the King's gear, and then you probably have a chance to beat me. Uh, even though we are seven rounds into this already, I am currently. 23rd out of 23 entrants into the Big MX Radio League. I hang my my head in shame. I would I would hang it lower, otherwise I wouldn't be able to read my monitor. Letting you guys know that uh, let's give a quick overview of the game. So you get eight riders, four in each class, and you you have salaries. Uh, you have a total 3.5 million dollar salary to disperse among those eight riders. You need to have. Uh, you, you don't have to spend all your money, but you you have to have minimum eight riders selected and you can't go over uh, the obviously when you go in there, you'll notice that there are some guys who are very expensive, uh, but those are the guys who could possibly win races and you're going to get the points for those riders. So if I say a guy, uh, Eli Tomac, you pick him, he's super expensive. He wins the race. You get 26 points. But if you happen to pick, say, a guy like uh, give you an example, like Jay Owen this weekend in the 250 class, uh, he's selected on my screen uh, and he's going to be on the team. Uh, if he p- places 10th or better, he actually receives an extra 10 point bonus for his uh, race this this weekend. Uh, so that would be really, really awesome to see uh, whether or not uh, he gets inside the top 10. He's actually a guy who I think could possibly be in the top 10. In fact, I think there's uh, at least two or three on the on this line right now uh, that could possibly be inside that top 10 in the 250 class and, and pay off for some people. So um, fingers crossed for that. Uh, I think even, even a guy like Talon Hawkins would be a really good pick for that. So, uh, if a guy in red does not get top 10, he doesn't get that bonus. You still get the points that he has for that. Uh, and that's why I got one point for Hardy Munoz when he got dead last. If he got, if he got one point of the weekend, you got one point for your team, total it all up. And you probably have more points than, uh, than I have for the weekend, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how to play MXD 360. Keep in mind, you also can't pick riders back-to-back weekends. So yes. on my screen that I'm sharing with all the salary lists and stuff, if they have a red X around them, those were the guys that helped me kick these guys' butts last weekend. So thank you, Nate Thrasher, Chris Zombie Blows, Jordan Smith, and the cat, AJ Catanzaro. Yeah, Nasig was pretty easy. You know, we we knew what all 22 riders were in the main event. Um, it was – I picked a horrible weekend, well, I'll say it again, to go out of town and watch a race live because – it's uh, while you're trying to have a good time with your buddies, you're trying to figure out your uh, whether or not um, what, who, who qualified, who didn't get your team hired. I got my ass handed to me once again. Um, yeah, it was not good. I that kicked your ass from Mexico and I went with my Thursday team. 
Yeah, well, that's good. Good job because <laughs> that's and now it's shocking because to get to know all twenty-two riders are in. That's usually a gimme and uh, usually helps out a lot of guys. But you got to pay attention usually. Um, and, but well, how many times we said checkers? Your Thursday team will probably end up being better because once you start getting sucked into that uh, qualifying time, hole, it's hard to get out of it because then you're then you're chasing numbers. Now you're going for guys that you're like, oh yeah, he got a, he qualified seventh. How many times the guy qualified seventh actually finished top ten when he's when he's hot? Um, I, I can't get in a rhythm. I've been getting my ass handed to me week in week out. I'm 111th overall. Um, it's the worst I've ever done, and I'm shocked by it. I have no answers, no words. So um, it's not an easy game at all. It's not you got. And, and the worst part, or the biggest thing is you can't just change one rider and dive into another rider. Like you have to make some shit happen, change it around. I love that salary aspect. It's all based on their points. Um, yeah, if they're big, if they're winning races, as Hunter Lawrence, eight hundred fifty-three thousand dollars. He's won all but one round, and you have to pay for those twenty-six points. Um, but when your highest salary guy is, which I've tried, you know, let's go for him. That'll be the weekend that Hunter gets a third. So um, you got to get in the rhythm. You got to find where these guys are flowing. And and I, I sent out a, a cheat sheet when you play each week. They'll have the qualifying uh, order and their per race per uh, score. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. So in the Big MX Radio League standings right now, Checkers currently sits 13th, which is essentially mid-pack, 77th overall in the series. Uh, it's actually pretty cool that we have uh, the current leader of, she's leading the uh, uh, the series as well as she's leading uh, our game, like uh, the, the whole website and she's leading uh, the Big MX Radio series. So uh, it's cool to have the the the, the star of the whole uh, web, website in my league right now uh debo is sitting 16th and 111th overall currently uh pulling up the grant langston uh number there's a couple other guys that ran, ran uh triple one as well and then there's me 23rd out of 23 167th overall in the year uh i am struggling mightily i don't even know if i should really weigh in uh on this particular weekend but uh, i can give you guys some uh, quick overview of uh uh, checkers team last weekend he was the tops he was the best on uh, and he was very consistent uh we had christian craig uh in the 450 class 25 points for you justin barsha 16 points dean wilson 12 points and then josh hill with 10 he stayed like over 10 points in every single uh all his pick except for one nate thrasher ended up with 26 points. He was the, he was your winner. Michael Blose ended up paying off with that bonus. Uh, so he would have had 14 points, but because of the bonus, he had 24 points and Jordan Smith ended up second on the weekend, uh, right behind his teammates. So he got 20, uh, 23. That's a huge score right there. Basically averaging 25 points, uh, throughout five different picks. That's unreal. Uh, he got stung by AJ Catanzaro, but when you have that many good guys on your team, um, it, Bad things are going to happen to you for that reason, uh, just to have the motocross gods sort of getting even with you. Chris, you must have been pretty happy with that. No, I was stoked, but I didn't get stung because Kent Nazar was super, super cheap and was really almost a, a filler of a rider. And the only reason I put him on my team is I knew I was going to be gone, and I knew he would go fast enough to get in at a triple crown because he qualifies so well. Um, yeah. I, I'm happy with four points because I figured he would ride around and get 22nd and not even maybe ride the second and third races because – He's just, he's not racing for results. He's racing because he's, I don't know, it's, it's good for his brand, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was extremely happy to have Craig and Blows both hit the bonus was was huge. And really, Christian Craig has been the last few weeks kind of the swinger on the on the list because, you know. <laughs> I didn't know he was like a that. swinger. 
<laughs> not like that but because of him having hot status Jesus, this is going downhill really quickly <laughs> because he has the chance Make at a 10 point bonus if he gets top 10 and he's capable of are you blushing top 10. he is uh <laughs> yeah, I think I see so i think yeah. i was uh i was top 10 overall last week um so i was yeah i was stoked when i saw that when i logged on and saw that but more happy that i kicked denny's but honestly that's all that really matters to me i love yeah. it uh all right debo's team we had ap 17 points josh H- justin hill he gets 10th and the bonus he gets 23 points on the night uh he had Wilson and then he had Chiz uh, with 12, 12 and seven points, respectively. His 250 team was Anstey. Chris Blose, who again, like I said earlier, had that bonus. Uh, Cullen Park, and very much like myself, he had Hardy Munoz, who just was an absolute heartbreaker. Um, like you must have like, had uh, t- tears in your beers uh, late at night on uh, in, in Dallas there, uh, Debo. You know, I was honestly celebrating a birthday with my buddy Cody Gilmar, our friend. So I was. Uh, hmm. I picked my team kind of last minute. I was just enjoying it, the show. And uh, I knew that I'd better get a team in real quick because uh, I didn't get a chance yeah. to do the show last week. And, uh, and I thought I was pretty good. I was pretty consistent. I wanted to go middle guys. I got a couple of top 10 guys. But uh, when one of your guys gets it, it was a 22nd, it's a kick in the nuts. And that was kind of the case that happened to me. Um, but this week, I'm pretty happy with my team. Once I'm always really happy for my team. I, I'm pretty rarely going to a night going, oh, man, I'm going to suck. I'm leading this show off tonight with Jordan Smith, who we've talked about a lot, Tom Viale, which we haven't really talked a lot, who has actually been riding very well and getting better each week. I think obviously we're seeing how well he is as a, uh, as a two-time world champion. I also have Talon Hawkins on, who I think has, has been kind of a cusp, top 10 guy going to Daytona. Again, we've talked about the rookie struggle a little bit. I think Talon will kind of uh, turn things around. He has a couple outdoor nationals under his belt already. Jeremy Hand is, again, someone I talked about as far as being a, a private two road really well. I have him looking like he's going to get a, a possibly, I'm hoping for a top 15. I would be happy or at the 160,000 mark. Christian Craig, the swinging guy, apparently. Um, I have him as well. I'm really hoping for a top 10. He's shooting into that right now. I'm actually hoping for a top five. Uh, RJ Hampshire. I made him as much as expensive as I really thought it would kind of hopefully deter people because we, I don't want, you know, a 95 percentile trending, but he's at a great price. Um, he's could he be hit or miss when one of these guys do make a mistake, they could call tonight and say, screw it. We're going to focus on a TD class where everything goes really well. And you, you hit a bunch of points. I've been uh, playing this game as long as I have, I benefited and gotten crushed both ways. Colt Nichols. He's another hot guy. I'm kind of shooting for stars right now. I need to make up points. So I, I have a full hot 450 class. And then Benny Bloss is rounding out my 480 team. Um, so, shit, it could go either way with him. So uh, I need to desperately make up some points. I have six out of eight riders looking for the 10-point bonus. Um, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm going for home runs all day. All right. So I'll just roll through my my team really quickly because, uh, like, nobody should take advice from me. I'm just telling you who's going to break my heart this weekend. Chris Bloss. Uh, I, I'm basically full red. Don't adjust your screens. It's Chris Blows, Jace Owen, Talon Hawkins, and Caden Braswell. Please do well, Caden Braswell. Uh, Jason Anderson, Christian Craig, the swinger himself, uh, Richard Hampshire, and Cade Clayson. Um, Checkers, can you give us a team that's actually going to do well this weekend? Well, I couldn't even keep up with your picks to show everyone. So I'm, we'll, take, Sorry. we'll just take more time on mine about how great I am. But I already have my team picked. Um, It'll probably stay because I've been having good luck with it staying. But here's the deal. I'm looking at the 250 class. 
And if I go to a Jeremy Martin, who is a killer at Daytona, he is way down the salary list. Like, heck yeah, I'm good. I'm not even bummed. I can't get Chris Bloss because he's not an outdoor guy. So Daytona is going to be tough for him. I think you definitely want to look at Jordan Smith. He's red on my screen. I can't pick him. You can look at Tom Vial. I think that he's good with his GP stuff. We've talked about that, but give me a chance. Hymas. He's been so dang consistent and he's the cheapest non hot rider. And then I don't know if you guys remember, but two years ago, Cody shock was absolutely ripping at Daytona. It really put his name on the Supercross map and not just the motocross map. I think he could easily be a top 10 guy. I was a little bit between him and Henry Miller, Henry Miller shreds in the sand and is a way better outdoor rider than Supercross rider. And he has been between 12 and 14 at all three rounds. So definitely if you can afford it, you might want to look at a Henry Miller. So what I actually went through and did is I picked my, three 250 guys up here first and then i went over to my 450s because i didn't know how much money i was going to have left um you can definitely look at a guy like Caden braswell um jeremy hand is also we talked about him earlier he is a fantastic outdoor rider i'd say he's better outdoors than supercross even and he's been having a great year i would avoid guys like michael hicks he's a arena cross guy really good supercross guy not much of an outdoor rider um i don't know if you want to roll the dice with a hardy munoz but you could do that um Definitely the two rookies over here are pretty attractive as well. Right now I have selected on my screen Josiah Notsky because he's very cheap. I know he's good outdoors. He's been fairly fast in Supercross. Um, that would be the one pick that would change after practice, which as we've talked about, if you change one pick, it destroys your dang team. Um, I would also strongly recommend staying away from AJ Cantanzaro. He will be fast and flashy in practice for sure. He was a year ago. I think he qualified like ninth and didn't even make the main event. Um, yeah. he's not one to really dig deep, um, when it comes to that side of things, but, um, the only other in guy, Florida, though, yeah, but he's not an outdoor guy at all. He doesn't I ride know. outdoors. So, um, one other guy I want to talk about is keep an eye on Aiden Shive. He is really fast. He's from yes. Florida. Um, he's been riding with some good guys. I think that he could potentially surprise. Um, and if you want, I mean, the guy that's probably broken the most hearts in fantasy this year has been Jack Chambers. As He hasn't made a single main event, I don't believe. And uh, people had him pretty high on the list. So my 250 team right now, J-Mart, Hymas, Shock, and Natsuki. And then we're going to go over to the 450s. And, I mean, I, find, I think I found a lot of value here. I think um, – What do you think of Norin? So I actually had Norin selected at one point on my team. Yeah. Um, he is a fantastic outdoor rider. If he makes the main event, he's going to finish the main event and do well. He's super cheap. Ooh, yeah, so he's ready. actually down here. Um, he was on the very Florida, first draft of my team. Ooh, yeah. I just so found I just, some value. I just found some uh, value on my team. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Cade, I did as well. Cade, Cade you're off. And I'm going to take Cade off and Braswell yeah. off. Switch that for uh, Norin and and hand and i actually might win i've been saying that every time this so far this year but i actually might win this time so brad already changed his thursday team and then said yes. he was going to win mistakes number one and two uh yeah. so I'm looking at this 450 team. list i got a thousand bucks left over <laughs> a thousand dollars if you look the difference between the salary of jason anderson and chase sexton which all three of these guys are super expensive um is is a lot of money to hire a, another really good guy and i look at it as the points from jason anderson to one of these three expensive guys is most likely going to be one or two points and if i spend that money down below i'll be able to make up four or five points potentially 
Um, so that's why I went to Jason Anderson to start off my 450s. Um, Plessinger's been good at Daytona before. He's been having a great year. Um, I think he'll get me solid points. And also, because I have these red X's here, the salary list starts to really drop. I'm not going Ken Roxon with the bike struggles he's had going somewhere crazy to date like Daytona. Um, and then you look at RJ Hampshire. I mean, he's a crapshoot. He's not in it for the series. So if things go bad, it could go real bad. I do like yeah. Justin Cooper. I talked about earlier how I think he's going to be really solid. He's good indoors and out. Um, but then I look at it. I have to go Dylan Ferrandis, even though he's coming off of an injury. I think he's super underpriced for, for where he's at. Um, I mean, he was, he was in the fourth and fifth range when he was starting the series. He's a great outdoor rider. He should be good at Daytona. Um, and then again, I have another hole here because Marvin's out. Malcolm's out. Savachi, I'm not. There's a whole line. Injured. Justin Hill, I'm not hiring at Daytona. I can't pick Dino, who I do think is a good value being at Daytona. Um, so I started digging and then I can't have Josh Hill and I'm never picking Benny Bloss at Daytona. So I slid McElrath in there and I think that could be a sneaky good pick, honestly, because I think he'll he'll make the main event and he'll do the laps. Um, Bloss, yeah, he's good. He's good. But then, you know, you start looking down the list. Starling is barely able to even hold on to his motorcycle right now. He's hurt. Um, yep. Moran's is going to try his hardest no matter what. Um, I, I question the privateer setup thing at Loretta's a little bit, just getting the bike dialed in. Um, Kyle Chisholm's been banged up, but he was he's a guy you should definitely consider because he's going to do all the laps, although he's also banged up. I don't know about Cartwright in a Daytona situation. I have to look back and do some research on him maybe. Um, Cade Clayson's not really a Daytona guy either. He's a super cross guy. He's not an outdoor guy. Um, we talked about fast Freddy a little bit. Keep an yeah, eye be John better Short. off picking R- Ronnie Stewart. I would also look at John Short for sure. Absolutely. Yep. He is he is a rough and tumble outdoor guy. Yeah, uh, short's a good pick. Harlan, so too, honestly. At, oh, stay stay away from Logan Carr now. Sorry, Logan. I'm glad you made the main last weekend. I've, I love you, but there's two things. No one hates Daytona more than Logan Carnow. He hates outdoors. He hates Daytona. And chances are he might even be at Razzles on Friday night before the race. He might yes. leave when the sun comes up to head to the track with Josh Hill. So I would just stay away from both of those guys. Um, Daytona is pretty tempting for them to go have a really, really good time. So that's, yep. you know, that sets up my team. I think, you know, um, there, there might be some shifting around, but J-Mart, Hymas, Shock, Notsky, I feel like can all get me solid points. Um, you know, if I get three or four from Notsky at 40 grand, that's a good. And then Anderson, Plessinger, Ferrandis, Makarath, that's a heavy hit in 450 lineup. That will be my team for Daytona. That'll be the team that beats me again this weekend. Uh, boys, this has been so much fun. We try and keep this show to an hour and a half. We failed miserably at that. Uh, but this was so much fun. The great, it was awesome conversation. Uh, the three of us really hit our stride this evening, I thought. And the, uh, thanks to everybody who watched, uh, on YouTube. Uh, I love to see the, the comments, every single one of those guys, whether it's, uh, Ian or Mikey or whoever else, uh, the mics in there. Um, yeah, great, great to see Mark and everybody else in the, uh, and Grant in the comments doing their thing it was a lot of fun this evening uh let's do it again this time next uh, next week thanks you guys for having me and uh just congratulations to trisha voden t ready 921 uh out front leading the pack congratulations yes. to her. she's running the, red, running the red plate bringing it to daytona for on mxd 360 so well done trisha and uh again thanks you guys for having me for checkers Absolutely. for brad and for uh for debo 
Thanks for joining us. Uh, last, last thing from you, uh, Checkers. Just read the board. Go Hardy, baby. Make it a party. Just put on a show for us in Daytona. <laughs> Knock some people down. Make it exciting. Let's go. It's going to be a Hardy party. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>